Welcome to the Neanderthal Mind, bringing you riveting, educational, humorous, and sometimes serious perspectives on our Neanderthal mind. We dive deep into why what our Neanderthal ancestors did to survive still has a profound effect on our modern mind. Take a journey with us as we roll back the clock millions of years. All right, my fellow cave dwellers, if you're ready, let's get this wheel rolling. Now here's your host and the leader of the pack, Anthony Yokolani. Well, hello, cave dweller community. Let me start off with an apology. I have not put an episode out in over three weeks. No excuses, but I do apologize. But I'm back and I'm starting off strong with this week's guest. Toby Passman is a neurophysiology researcher. Joining a research lab called the Brain Development Lab, Toby worked on what was called the Emotions and Neuroplasticity Project. Basically looking at the brain and heart electrical recordings that are associated with different sort of emotional states. Toby has been working the past couple of years at Peak Performance Center, at a Peak Performance Center up in Seattle, working to train the brain, train the electrical activity of the brain through various technologies. Toby has spent about a little over a year at an addiction medicine center in Florida, also utilizing these technologies to treat patients diagnosed with addiction problems along with mental health issues. We touch on ECG, which is electroencephalography. That's basically a tool used by researchers uh, to measure the brain's electrical activity. Toby and I cover the subjects of neurofeedback, biofeedback, transcranial stimulation, and PMF, which is post-electromagnetic frequencies. I will let Toby explain to the cave dweller community. I will let Toby explain to the cave dweller community what all those words mean. We also talk about enhancing cognition, uh, nootropics, meditation, parasympathetic, and sympathetic. Okay, you get the picture. Toby is about to lay down some serious psych on us and tie it all into the Neanderthal mind and how it affects us today. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I will see you on the flip side, Cave Dweller community. Good afternoon, Toby. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing, Anthony? Very well, very well. Let me get my... uh... Let me get my camera on here. Oh, there I am. Hey. How are you doing? <laughs> Good, sir. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Good. Excellent. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming on to Neanderthal Mine. It's, uh, it was actually a surprise. I, for some reason, didn't get the notification till this morning. <laughs> and I was at work. It wasn't your fault. It was my fault. Um, and I was at work and I was like, oh. And I, <laughs> so I hurried up and got gotcha. home and uh, I was able to throw a few questions together. Uh, you know, to, to try and get things moving with us. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you stopping by. Sorry, I, my, my lights. Thank you for having me here, on. So. Oh, all good. 
I had, I've been playing around with my lighting too. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, these uh, Oregon winters where I'm at, it's, uh, there's not much light, not much natural light. So I got to play around with, sure. you know, putting, putting lamps and stuff in the right places. <laughs> yeah, this winter's been, uh, I'm, a, I'm about 26, 30 miles south of Pittsburgh. So uh, okay. yeah, my winters are, are not real fun either, but I don't, I'm, I'm sure they're not worse than Oregon's though. <laughs> I know. I bet they are. I bet you guys, okay. you guys probably get a lot of snow. Yeah. We, we have this year, I would say this season, we've gotten probably a little over two foot, at least in the area that I'm oh, in. Yeah. So you, it, it's not even comparable. You guys have it way worse. We, we just have, <laughs> we just have the rain. I mean, uh, it hasn't snowed. It, it'll snow like a couple inches once every other year here. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That, that would be my kind of winter then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I don't, I don't like winter at all. I really don't. And I, I've lived here, yeah, I'm 47. So I've lived here my whole life, you know, in this area and uh, yeah, still not used to the winters. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> it was funner, obviously, when I was younger because you get school days off and, you know, yeah, you know, sled riding and whatever, snowball fights and yeah. I couldn't imagine right. doing any of that now, though. So. <laughs> right, right. But uh, yeah, no. Again, I appreciate. It. I guess it's about three o'clock uh, your time, huh? I believe. Yes. So. Okay. Very good. Well, uh, let's let's get started then. Uh, usually, I'll start off with just uh, you know a general question, just to you know tell me about yourself. That's all. Quick rundown sure. about who you you know you who you are and what what got you to where you are today. You know. Absolutely. And I'll be taking notes, so that's probably why you'll see me looking down. <laughs> Got it. This is actually the first podcast that I've done on a video. And I'm, I'm only, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm only, I think this might be my 12th or 13th episode. So I'm, I'm very, very new to it. So <laughs> Okay, right <laughs> on. Time I've, uh, I've done videos, so. Okay. Have you been having fun with it so far? It's probably like you're probably still learning all the, the technical things. and so, Yeah, definitely still yeah. learning. Uh, a lot of the previous interviews, uh, you know, like I would start it up on Zoom and then I'm like, hello, hello, you know, <laughs> for some reason they weren't there, but then all of a sudden they were. And I, I don't know how that, how to fix that or anything. So. <laughs> right, right. That was honestly, I feel like it took me probably like, uh, like I started my podcast like a year and a half ago about. <laughs> And I feel like it probably took a good full year before I had everything down pat as far as just like how to like sending the email invitations yes. or, you know, <laughs> getting guests with podcasts, podcast yes. guests and yes. stuff yes. just or video editing. Like it, it's a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is yeah, not, I mean, not easy. It is not, it, it, you know, you don't think about it because I, I, my, like I I worked for, my, the company that I worked for, I was doing a different position in that company and I had eight, nine, 10 hours a day to listen to podcasts. And I have, you know, I'm probably subscribed to 40 different podcasts and uh, you don't think about the difficulties behind it when you're listening to it until you actually record it, you know? <laughs> sure. So, but yeah, it gets, it gets easier as you go. I know my first few, um, yeah, I mean, I was taking out, if there, if there was a, a pause for like, 10 milliseconds I was taking it out like, oh, that's too long you know people are gonna yeah. get bored and get distracted and right, right so but anymore it's like yeah it's all right it's a conversation it'll be fine yeah <laughs> so, but uh yeah you know again I appreciate it uh Thanks officially you're my uh I want to say maybe seventh guest so <laughs> well, I'm honored thank you for having me on I'm honored and I appreciate it so yeah anybody to get back to it let me uh tell me about yourself a little bit 
Yeah, so um, I'm a neurophysiology researcher. I kind of got into this stuff originally, I would say, um, from taking a biopsychology class while in undergrad. I found that super fascinating. Uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with, you know, my school uh, school career or, or general career um, until that that biopsychology class, where it was really examining the the biological basis of how the brain works on a, on an electrical and chemical level. And it fascinated me. So I ended up joining a research lab uh, called the brain development lab and worked on what was called the emotions and neuroplasticity project. I'm basically looking at uh, the uh, brain and heart electrical recordings that are associated with uh, different sort of emotional states. So I started uh, kind of getting into working with, with the EEG uh, electroencephalography, which uh, for, for the listeners who might not be aware, if you guys have ever seen like the, uh, what looks like a swim cap with a bunch of different electrodes sticking out of it, that's basically a, a tool used by researchers to measure uh, the brain's electrical activity. And you can examine a lot of different things from using that, and that's kind of been uh, the tool that that I ended up kind of falling in love with and and getting really interested in, and I've been working with it ever since in in various different uh, kind of functions. But yeah, that was that was sort of my path uh, into this this line of work. Uh, I've been working uh, the past couple of years out of college, uh, working at a peak performance center up in Seattle. Um, so working to train the brain. Uh, train the electrical activity of the brain uh, through various different technologies. And then I spent uh, about a little over a year at an addiction medicine center in Florida, um, also utilizing these technologies to actually treat, uh, you know, patients uh, diagnosed with uh, uh, addiction problems along with mental health issues. Yeah, I know, uh, man, like I said, I got about 40 different podcasts I'm subscribed to and there's, quite a few that deal with, and I guess that's kind of what led me into the Neanderthal mind is, you know, a lot of those podcasts that I would listen to about the brain and, you know, why we, I've always had an interest in why, again, why we think like we think and do what we do. And one of the podcasts I was listening to, and darn, I can't remember which one it was, um, because I'd like to give them props, but uh, they had a guest on and that guest said, well, you know, a lot of the reason we act and think the way we do is because of our Neanderthal ancestors. I'm like, oh, okay, that's very, it's interesting. So that kind of started me down the path to create or start the Neanderthal Mind podcast. And that was probably uh, two, three years ago. So, and I've only been podcasting, like I said, since, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, September, October of last year. So, but, uh, yeah. I really like the idea. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because I mean that it's absolutely true that the you know our, our brain was originally kind of wired to to help us survive you know in a much different time where we actually had to run away from the saber toothed tiger right. you know and and actually uh, that that fight or flight response that's yes. talked a lot about um, was actually really useful. I mean that that's what enabled us to survive that kind of uh, what's been described as sort of the reptilian brain mm -hmm. uh, has been, you know, evolutionarily very advantageous. But, um, you know, what I talk a lot about um, when I lead groups or, or on my own podcast is, 
you know, kind of the, the, the problem that, you know, a lot of chronic stress today is kind of caused by the, the brain's reaction to, you know, different stressors, but we, we react as if there actually is a saber toothed tiger chasing us. Whereas really it's just, you know, our boss yelling at us for, you know, not submitting the report on time, you know, it's, it's not life threatening, but our bodies still react that way because our brains are still in some ways wired, you know, to basically, you know, for safety, for, for yeah. self-preservation. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a fascinating subject. And, you know, um, I think like whenever on the email, like that's kind of what I wanted the basis of the Neanderthal mind to be about is, you know, about that evolutionary psychology. And I actually didn't learn that word until I got into the Neanderthal mind. I didn't know there was, you know, such a thing. And then, you know, now that's all I look for is, you know, psychologists that may have an evolutionary, I don't know, interest, I guess you could say, not background, but an interest in evolutionary psychology and, and what have you. So I'm going to try and lean more towards that way. My first few, which I loved all the guests that I've had, and I, I would have them all, all again, wasn't so much about, uh, you know, our psychology because of evolution. It was a lot about, you know, the, or just the Neanderthals themselves, you know, and, and how, you know, the timeline of Neanderthals and, uh, you know, the tool making for Neanderthals and stuff like that. So, but uh, I would like to definitely try and get more evolutionary psychologists on, you know, to, to talk about it. So, yeah, yeah it's a fascinating cool. field. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's amazing of, you know, because you, you really, you don't think about, well, a lot of people don't think about why they feel the way they do, you know, and act the way they do. And, you know, once you really start to look at it and think about it, it's like, man, like, yeah, okay, I can see why. <laughs> like you said, you know, you're, you're, you're like, well, I'll even take, like uh, I was telling you, I got, uh, I got nervous whenever I got the email this morning that I was on with you today. And I was like, man, what, what can I use for an excuse? To, you know, I, I felt that, you know, that uh, wanting to run away from it, you know, but I was like, no, nope, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know, and, and what happens that, you know, what you're describing, the, those sort of stressors, when, when that is occurring kind of on a chronic basis, which, which happens with, you know, so many of us, you know, we're flooded with these different, you know, stress chemicals like cortisol or adrenaline. And over time, uh, you know, it, it kind of blocks, uh, it, it blocks the brain's uh, memory centers along with kind of the prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for a lot of, you know, sort of very human decision-making and, and thought, uh, deeper thought, planning, executive control. Um, all of that is sort of inhibited uh, when, when there's this chronic stress response. It's kind of like if you've ever, you know, had the, the experience where you're you know, say you say you're like super prepared for like a presentation, like say back in school or something, right? And you you've prepared, you've gotten everything all rehearsed, and you're feeling great about it. But then you get up to present in front of the class, and suddenly your your hands are all sweaty, and you're stuttering, and you can't. It's like you're you're you go blank, and that's that's actually like what what's going on there is is you know your brain is kind of flooded with all these stress chemicals and, and the parts of your brain that you need to, you know, think logically and deliver a, a good presentation are actually inhibited. So it's, it's, it's super important to be able to control that stress response. Yes. yes. Yeah. And we were going to give, cause I know you wanted to talk about that as well. Um, 
so like the first question I had asked about you, then let's get into uh, tell you know let's talk about your podcast, Roscoe's Wetsuit. What's uh, where's that from? So it's actually uh, sort of an inside joke um, from a childish Gambino, uh, a musical artist. One of his albums. There's a screenplay that goes along with it. Uh, it's kind of a long story, but it's uh, it was just a, a something that stuck with me, and I figured that. I could sort of use that as, as the base to do like Roscoe's wetsuit uh, neuro, like the podcast. And then, you know, I, I figure, you know, I want to do different companies in the future, but have that like base Roscoe's wetsuit name and then just kind of add different things. But yeah, um, I, I basically started it uh, about a year and a half ago, as I think I was mentioning to you right before we uh, started airing today. Uh, basically, you know, a lot of it was just kind of an interest in, you know, in, in talking with uh, researchers and, and professors and doctors, scientists, uh, people who are doing really interesting work. You know, I'm, I'm a neuroscience geek, so I, I read research papers and there are, you know, books. And sometimes I have additional questions that I'm like, you know, I wonder, you know, about this part. And so the podcast basically became an excuse to get to, to, to talk to people who otherwise I'd have no business talking with, you know, if I, if I reach out to a Stanford professor and say, Hey, I'm, I'm interested in learning more about, you know, the connection between A and B, but if I didn't have a podcast, you know, most likely, you know, that's busy, probably a busy person. That's not going to have time to respond. But if you're like, Hey, come on to my podcast, I'd love yes. to have you. Then it's kind of a mutually beneficial, you know, uh, you're, you're able to get the, the answers that you're curious about uh, answered, uh, the questions that you're curious about answered, and then the, uh, they're able to kind of get some, you know, uh, publicity for their uh, and exposure for their work, which oftentimes it, I've found that a lot of these, a lot of these professors and researcher types, a lot of them don't do media interviews or you know presentations or, or books there there's sort of a division between the I guess you could say sort of the applied you know neuroscience and psychology versus more clinical or, or research-based so I sort of see Roscoe's wetsuit as sort of helping to bridge that gap um, helping helping kind of the lay person the, the person who's not a scientist a neuroscientist uh, be able to understand and make sense out of this, you know, very pertinent, very uh, interesting yet complicated material. So that's that's kind of you know uh, that was sort of the inspiration behind the podcast, and you know it's it's super fun just having different people on and and always learning something new. So yeah, yeah, that's that's and you know like that's funny because that's kind of what. I was looking at doing too is uh, nobody's ever going to talk to me about, Oh, you know, well, why we act the way we do, Oh, you know, pay me for a session and I'll, and I'll, you know, I'll be your psychotherapist or whatever, you know, <laughs> I don't want to do that. So, you know, I, that's what I thought. I said, well, maybe I'll start a podcast and, and invite them on, you know, and you might as uh, well. Yeah. 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 yeah and I, I went probably. No, I was just going to say, I found that, you know, uh, people, I found such a great, uh, response in terms of when, when I reach out to these people and I'm sure as you'll find doing this more 
people are people love to talk about their work. It's like they they a lot of these people just don't get the invitations to do this kind of stuff. But once once you you know tell them what you're you know interested in and you're you're interested in talking with them, it, I've I've had a great you know response rate to 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 invitations for for podcast guests. I see you have because and and I'm going to mention him because I listened to you. Whenever I was listening to podcasts on a daily basis, you had Dave Asprey on. I see, huh? I did. Yes, that that, that was super exciting because I've been a long time. I bet you, yeah. Yeah, he was like honestly the he was that was probably I think I told him on the podcast that was the first podcast I think I had ever maybe listened to back you know in maybe 2013 2014 uh, his Bulletproof Radio, which was pretty in its kind of beginning stages, but I, I found found that stuff so fascinating. It was you know, kind of a long time listener and yeah, getting to have him on was, was really, really cool. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. That would, that would have been awesome. Like, uh, there's another one I listened to Luke story, uh, his life lifestylist, I believe he, he's, he talks a lot about biohacking as well. So I think, yeah, yeah. I, was, I may have yeah. seen one of his, I'm not sure, but I, I definitely heard of his, mm-hmm. his work. Uh, let's see. So let's get into, Again, sorry for looking away. I got my notes on both sides of me. Here. All good. <laughs> um, so you had mentioned the brain development lab, and then okay, well you you kind of explained what you did there. Huh? You did the whole with the you know the, the kind of cap with all the uh, electrodes and everything in it. So and and um, so how about forty years of Zen? Yeah, I think I've heard of that. I know I've heard of that. Is that? Well, go ahead. Yeah. Get into 40 years of Zen. Yeah. So it's a, a neuroscience facility, uh, kind of a peak performance uh, facility up in Seattle uh, that works with a lot of uh, business executives, uh, people, um, sort of all, all, all sort of different uh, kind of, mm, uh, I would, I want to say kind of, you know, wealthy sort of peak performers, uh, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, but basically utilizing some of these different Uh, neuroscience uh, techniques such as neurofeedback, biofeedback, uh, transcranial stimulation, uh, PEMF, which is uh, pulsed electromagnetic frequencies, basically all these kind of complicated sounding technologies that that all focus on enhancing different aspects of of cognition. So there's kind of the, the sort of the classic model of uh, you know, people only going to, you know, a, a, psycho- a psychiatrist or psychologist when there's something wrong with their brain, you know, when they've had a traumatic brain injury or they're suffering from, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression or anxiety. And the model that, that 40 Years of Zen employs and what I'm really interested in, too, is kind of uh, not necessarily the clinical aspect uh, of of dealing with disorders, but more so, you know, you take, you know, an already pretty, pretty high functioning brain, you know, and how can you make it even better? It's kind of like, you know, with a car, you could put different, you know, uh, an engine in, you put a different engine in and, you know, get more horsepower. So it's, uh, I think, I think the, the philosophy at 40 years of Zen, you know, is, and, and the sort of philosophy that I have when it comes to this, this different stuff is that we can really, uh, you know, change the way our, our brain functions, uh, 
with a lot of different things, including, you know, diet is a big thing, uh, you know, supplements, uh, there's nootropics, which are like cognitive enhancing drugs, and then all the different sort of, uh, you know, uh, neurofeedback, meditation. So some of these things are new, but, you know, a lot of these things like meditation, I mean, that's, people have been meditating since, you know, the dawn of humanity, right? So, uh, for, yeah. you know, with a variety of these different tools, they, they all, the way I see it is they, they kind of have the, the same end goal, which is really to, to help kind of quiet the nervous system to help kind of calm down that, that stress response uh, and enhance what uh, I believe uh, Herbert Benson, a uh, psychologist called um, the, the rest and digest uh, response, basically activating the, the parasympathetic nervous system, which uh, is, is sort of the, the uh, contrary to the, the sympathetic nervous system, which causes uh, the, the fight or flight gets us prepared to, you know, sends blood to all the muscles and, you know, gets us ready to, to fight or flee. Uh, so instead getting into that uh, rest and digest state where you're really in control of your, your physiology. And it's kind of the, you know, I think most advantageous to, uh, to our, you know, current society, you know, to, to, performing well in, in the current you know our current time yeah yeah definitely and it's you know we were gonna I was gonna ask you about that because I know you had mentioned again it, it, you know in the uh, uh, pre-questions about uh, nervous system biohacking so I mean if you wanted to get into that and, and elaborate a little more you just mentioned a little bit of yeah. it so if you wanted to get in a little more about that we can do absolutely that yeah so you know there's a variety of different uh, aspects of the nervous system, you know, that can be addressed with different, you know, tools and technologies. But, you know, one that uh, I actually came across uh, when I, I did my research, when I was in my research lab at that uh, brain development lab, you know, we were assessing what's called heart rate variability, which is basically the um, looking at the, the variability of in between heartbeats. So, Someone, you know, you might think that having, uh, you know, kind of a, a standard, you know, beat, beat, beat would be, would be healthy, but actually what research is very well established is that actually having a higher variability of the spacing in between heartbeats. So you have, you know, do, 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 you know, having, having kind of a greater variability is actually associated with a lot of beneficial um, aspects of, of nervous system health, you know, such as uh, less stress, uh, greater uh, kind of management of, of anxiety, depression, a lot of beneficial things that occur. And there's some different companies that, you know, they sell different sensors where you can actually measure your heart rate variability. And they actually take you through different like breathing exercises. So you can actually enhance your heart rate variability. It'll tell you, it basically is a, a feedback, biofeedback, um, which basically, so the bio being, you know, your, your body it's assessing a bodily function. And then the feedback, it's basically telling you, you know, no, you're not doing this very well in terms of, you know, your heart rate variability is really low right now. So, but then it'll tell you also, okay, you're doing really well when, when you sort of start uh, figuring out how to do it. 
So that's, that's one of the most kind of uh, simple, I'd say, and, and basic ways of kind of uh, hacking the nervous system, if you will. Um, and then there's also, you know, a variety of different uh, devices uh, to do like neurofeedback, uh, which is basically looking uh, at the electrical activity, basically looking to, to change and modify, teaching people to uh, train and modify the electrical activity of their brains. So that can get a bit more complicated. Um, usually you have to see, you know, a clinician or, or some uh, kind of peak performance coach to do uh, neurofeedback with. Uh, there are some home machines available and it'll probably, I think, you know, as this technology becomes more widespread, I think it'll, you know, we'll start seeing it, you know, in people's homes, just as you might have an exercise bike. I think uh, these different technologies we're going to start seeing just kind of pop up uh, you know, wherever, but. I know like Dave Asprey's in, I think he is into the, uh, the heck's that light called light. Uh, it's like the red light, you know, they yeah. have all the things you can put on a wall and it's all that red. Yeah. I don't know if it's called red light therapy yeah. or whatever it might be called. Red but, light. Uh, and that's yeah. Or it's all, there's also another uh, name that's called photobiomodulation. And they actually, it, it, I'm really glad you brought that up because it's, there's really interesting research uh, there's, there's different companies um, looking at, you know, uh, in different uh, kind of research departments looking at this, but they basically have found, you know, that, that shining different uh, kind of forms of light, like infrared light or red light, uh, either uh, transcranial, transcranially, um, so like wearing some kind of device, uh, some kind of cap where it's actually uh, able to penetrate somewhat, the light's able to penetrate somewhat through the skull and actually uh, get to the brain. Um, there's also like intranasal devices where it can also penetrate into the brain that way, but it's super fascinating stuff. I've had a couple uh, photobiomodulation researchers actually on Roscoe's wetsuit. Uh, don't remember what, what episodes, but there was a, a Harvard researcher, um, Dr. Michael Hamblin, and I'm forgetting that there's another guy, but it's fascinating stuff. So yeah. that, that's a great, I mean, that's just speaks to, you know, there, there's so many different technologies to, uh, that can basically alter and enhance the way the brain functions, you know, if, if used properly. Yes. Yeah. And, and that, you know, like I said, that's what with, with the Neanderthal mind, you know, I was listening to all those podcasts and, you know, it got me to, to, to into this podcast, but yeah, it's like, I don't, I guess I've never, fortunately, I've never suffered through it, but I just don't believe you need all of the, you know, the commercial drugs and everything, you know, you have a way to control your mind, you definitely have a way to do that, you know, and, and there's a lot of natural ways to do that, you know, again, with the light therapy, um, I was doing float tanks. For well, I float did tanks. I tell you or did I tell you that Toby was about to lay some serious psych on us in this episode? Funny thing is, this is just part one of two, of course. So join me next week, Cave Dwellers, as we continue our conversation with Toby, where we get into float tanks, the corpus callosum, or callosum, the left brain and right brain, the reptilian brain, and so much more. I'm excited to listen I am excited to listen to it so I know you will be as well cave dwellers 
and I apologize. It seems that I sound like I'm drunk, but I'm not. I promise you that. So anyway, as I was saying, um, I am excited to listen to it, and I know you will be as well. As always, please email the show. Leave some comments and critiques. I need to hear from you to know if I am giving you what you want from this podcast, but also to know what to give you in upcoming episodes. I will, in the future, try my hand at another solo episode, and hopefully I won't butcher it up like I feel I did the last solo episode. So, until next week, cave dwellers, Anthony, take us out of here. You know, neuroscience research that's been done on meditation, you know, has, has shown there, there's a variety of different, uh, you know, real, uh, uh, you know, observable brain benefits. Uh, one being uh, that it enhances the, uh, the strength of the uh, corpus callosum, which is the sort of band of fibers that, uh, that connects the two hemispheres of the brain. The Neanderthal Mind podcast would like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Please, if you love what you've heard, subscribe, rate, and review the Neanderthal Mind podcast wherever you download your listening entertainment from. And please, if you know anyone that you think would enjoy this podcast as much as we hope you did, recommend the Neanderthal Mind to them. Until next week, my fellow cave dwellers, don't forget... Leave your cave drawing and comments on our wall at theneanderthalmind.com.